There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Switch John Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Charlie, do you remember where you were on September 28th, 1998? Not precisely, but definitely at some point that day, I probably would have had two excruciatingly long bus rides to and from middle school. Probably listening to a lot of radio. Well, Charlie, I hope this date is burned in your mind forevermore because September 28th, 1998, a Monday was when the world was introduced to the voice of Britney Spears. So I was probably rushing home from the bus to watch Total Request live on MTV. The details may be foggy, but I know one thing, Charlie. Your world, my world, the world of pop music was never the same. That's undeniable. Britney Spears has been in the news nonstop since that moment in 1998. Her highs and lows have been served up on an almost daily basis to an insatiable public. She's been made the symbol of innocence, sexuality, politics, mental health, feminism, confinement, and freedom. She must be, Charlie, the most overexposed figure in the history of popular culture. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah except for one aspect of her career. What's that? Her music. Yeah, I mean, for someone who has been dissected ad nauseum, you can find whole podcasts, books, magazine articles, television series dedicated to unpacking her private life. Yeah. Which we're not going to do, by the way, on the no. show. We are the least qualified people. Truly. But we do love her music. And on this four-part miniseries, we are going to rediscover her catalog by leaving all of our assumptions at the door. Basically, what we're going to be doing is listening to Britney. I'm so excited to do this because she has some of the best earworms in history. And yet, this is a pretty significant task so where do we begin i think we have to start with the voice of britney spears Hmm. and the first time we heard that voice was on the song that we've been listening to already baby one more time off spears debut album of the same name yeah i think that's the right place to start because this is the beginning of her career she's quite young She's not getting songwriting or production credits yet, and she's working with the likes of Max Martin and Rami Yaakob, who are also working with all of the big boy bands, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like the place where we can really hear her is in her voice because it has a quality like I had never heard before. 
It is unique. I think you're onto something, Charles. I think that's the first thing you notice about this. This is a different kind of pop voice. And frankly, I think it's a little weird. It's a it's kind of a weird voice. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way at all. I mean it's different. It takes you by surprise. Take that little excerpt from the second verse of Baby One More Time. Spears brings so much force and dedication to every syllable she sings. It's like when she steps into the recording booth, it is a, a cage match between her and the English language. <laughs> what, are, what are you specifically hearing? In order to answer that, I think we need to strip all of the lush production of this song away for a second and just really home in on the sound of Spears' voice. Bask in the glory, Charles. Whoa. That's so cool because I've heard this hundreds of times, but I've never recognized the percussiveness and the ferocity and the articulation. And I think that's the first key characteristic of the voice of Britney Spears is the way she articulates and pronounces every word as though it's the last word she may ever utter in her life. I want to hear it again. Can you like zoom in on like almost at the consonant level? Let's go through some of the the pronunciation here. I mean, Take that that explosive baby baby that begins the second verse. Oh, baby, baby. That baby is delivered with enough sonic force to like knock down a wall. Like you said, ferocity earlier. I think that's a nice adjective for this vocal delivery. Mm, kind of knocks you off your feet. The reason I breathe is you. Here's another kind of unique approach to pronunciation you articulate every syllable right so it's yeah. not breathe it's breathe Ooh, so she's actually performing breathe with an extra breath in the th. it's making a word that could sound very smooth right breathe that has a like this this long kind of legato feel to it but as you said earlier it takes that smooth word and it makes it a percussive sharp staccato word it's no longer breathe. It's breathe. I breathe. Even the monosyllabic vowel I becomes another percussive phoneme in the hands of Britney Spears. It almost takes a vowel and turns it into a consonant. Right. The same thing that happens two words later on the word you. It becomes you. Uh, and it's not a breath in the normal way that we think of breathiness like (sighs) (laughs) it actually has a rhythmic element to it it's percussive (sighs) there may be a reference to michael jackson here who was known for similar utterances yeah i can hear that but the way spears deploys this technique here feels new and different to me 
because it's not just the presence of these percussive pronunciations. It's the whole way she's singing every syllable, and she's bringing so much vocal fry to every note. Mm. Vocal fry. Vocal fry. Literally, when we're making the sound, we're letting our epiglottis just be almost as loose as it can be. Just a little bit of vibrations are seeping out. And it gives it this rough kind of uneven tone that's very noticeable. We literally hear it in the first moment of that isolated clip. That O in the Oh Baby Baby. Right. Let's hear it again and listen for that light growl around the edges of the sound. Yeah, that is the sound that I associate with Britney. And I also remember going back to 1998. Mm, Take me there. As distinctive as it was, I feel like this is also the vocal quality that was most derided. This attribute of vocal fry, which rightly or not has often been attributed particularly to the speech patterns of young women, has been met with a lot of controversy. There have been scientific studies about vocal fry, one of which argued, quote, Vocal fry may undermine success of young women in the labor market. A columnist for The Guardian wrote a whole op-ed with the title, Young Women, Give Up the Vocal Fry and Reclaim Your Strong Female Voice. Maybe that columnist should give up their column. So (laughs) when we're listening to this sound, it's not just kind of this benign vocal effect it has like all this cultural baggage it's associated with like the decline of strong young women at the turn of the millennium or something kind of like the least veiled sexist critique (laughs) which is so wild because on on the one hand it's like how challenging is it to pull off this vocal fry that britney spears is giving us I think it's very hard because it requires you to sort of like close up your throat. And the thing that you want to do when you're singing is open your throat and use your instrument most fully. And so you're constantly struggling back and forth between open and closed sort of qualities. And it gives off this impression of something feeling simultaneously very authentic and totally performed at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I hear that, Charles. It's very masterful you know it takes a lot of vocal control to be able to pull this off oh baby baby how was i supposed to know that something wasn't right here oh baby baby i shouldn't have let you go and now you're right outside, yeah. Oh, so every single time she has a vowel sound, like in that, and oh, there is a vocal fry that intensifies that percussive quality. So it's working in tandem with that percussive approach to pronunciation. Right, because rather than having these words be legato, that something, it's like that. uh, there's like all these little micro moments of cutting off air and adding interest into the word when spears sings it's like every single syllable is a little universe of sound (laughs) (laughs) there is no word in a britney spears song that does not get her full attention and that kind of rivets you as a listener you have to pay attention because you can never predict exactly how she's going to sing a word Mm. 
You know, the other thing that's funny about Spears' use of vocal fry, I, I feel like it's something she came under a lot of criticism for. And yet, when you listen to a lot of, like, male alt-rock vocalists of the 1990s, you know, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, for instance, I think we find a lot of vocal fry in their singing as well. Check out the way Chris Cornell sings the word in on Black Hole Sun. The snake in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> It's a non-melodic quality. Like, it's a moment when you can't discern the pitch. It's just kind Mm. of... Yeah, it's a way of coloring a a word, a sound. It just gives it more force and presence. But no one was accusing Chris Cornell of being a vapid valley girl. Don't think so. So, Britney Spears is giving us this voice of percussive pronunciation and masterful vocal fry. It's pretty remarkable that a 16-year-old stepped into a recording studio in Sweden and just unleashed this sound upon the world. Like, she wasn't singing like this prior to her first single. If you listen to the Whitney Houston demo that got her this record contract, there's very little trace of this percussive vocal frying singer. Be warned, the audio quality here is pretty rough. Yeah, that's like classic diva ballad style. Listening to that demo and then comparing it to the the voice that she created for her debut single... I think it points to the third remarkable aspect of Britney Spears' voice. It has this chameleon-like quality. She can change it from that vocal fried percussion to this like full-throated 90s ballad singer. And she can switch in the middle of a song if she wants to. Right, at the end of the chorus, it's the full-bodied voice. Give, Give me, me a sign. sign. And then, yeah. oh, baby, baby. And, and then, then she's just, back. Yeah, yeah. She can turn on a dime. So this is the voice that introduces the world to Britney Spears on her debut single, Baby One More Time. But, Charlie, I feel like after the break, we have to dig into her second album and its hit single, Oops, I Did It Again, to hear an artist really stepping in to her full vocal power. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. How do you follow up releasing the best-selling debut single by a female singer of all time? You release an even bigger and better song? 
And that song is Oops! Exclamation point, ellipsis. I did it again. What confidence does it take to put out a song that's Oops! I did it again. Like, sure, it sounds like it's about a relationship. Uh-huh. But let's be honest. This is about, oops, I just put out another hit. <laughs> I think that's why the song to me is an even greater accomplishment than than Baby One More Time. Because now we have a, a song whose lyrics and sound kind of match the exquisite control of Britney's voice. Hmm. And when we think about the meaning of this song, it's it's portraying a narrator who is alternately like losing control of their senses. Hmm but at the same time is not that innocent. So there's like kind of a an in-betweenness here. And I think it's so well suited for that chameleon-like quality of Britney Spears' voice. It's like in those 10 seconds of music, we get... I don't know, at least four or five different versions of Britney Spears' voice. Hmm. The song itself is constantly toying with us. It's going between two poles. It's going from minor to major harmonies. And then right back to minor. Even in the harmonic world of the song, your head is kind of spinning. You don't know which way is up. Right, right, right. You wrote a whole chapter of our book about this dueling personality, minor, major progression, Britney thing. Right. And the best part of it is it's a chord progression that goes back to the 15th century. might be a song about youthfulness but it's a throwback too to way long ago exactly in terms of britney spears voice in terms of the lyrics of the song in terms of this oscillating chord progression that goes back 500 years (laughs) the song is is constantly pivoting between different identities and that to me is like one of the musical keys that unlocks our obsession with britney spears Well, sure, we're obsessed now, but how was this second album received when it came out? Well, one of the big criticisms of Britney Spears was that she was trying to please everyone. There was a review that ran in the AV Club that said, Spears is a true cipher, a dress-up doll programmed to satisfy as many different fans and fantasies as possible. Ugh. I mean, dress-up doll? Like... What a gross description of any artist. This dress-up doll language is pretty gross, but I also disagree with the critic's larger point that Spears is somehow being inauthentic by trying to make music that is universally appealing. Mm. 
And for the reviewer, that's a bad thing, right? It speaks to her kind of inauthenticity as a performer, I guess. But I think we could flip that on its head and say this is the strength of Britney Spears. It's her ability to obscure her true identity and instead to perform this kind of prism of identity, constantly keeping you guessing through her multiple vocal timbres, through this oscillating harmonic progression, through a sound world in this song that draws from multiple different genres. And it's like a weird hodgepodge of different styles. Yeah, if we dig into Oops, I Did It Again for a second, just take it from the very beginning. Like, what kind of sounds are we hearing? We start with an orchestral hit. (laughs) Right. Which is really popular in the world of 80s, 90s hip-hop. Our friend Estelle Caswell did the best video ever on the influence of the orchestral hit. It's everywhere. Originally comes from Stravinsky. Please continue. <laughs> You've then got funk slap bass. Think of the Seinfeld theme song, perhaps. <laughs> and drums that feel like they're nodding to the new Jack Swing movement. Because Oops, I Did It Again also has a lot of those sort of DJ effects as well. There's a bunch of that wicka wicka happening. Wicka 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 under some wah funk guitar as well. It's a weird... A melange, yeah. Yeah. It could only be created by the the mad Swedish scientists at uh, Chiron Studios. <laughs> Definitely. But what all of this does is disorients you as a listener a little bit, I think, in a way that is really exciting to listen to. At, like, it's not a bug, it's a feature of this music, I think. Yeah, I feel like this is the thing that makes her music in this period distinct it is all about her vocal quality because as we established the producers that she's working with primarily max martin and ramiyaka behind these hits they're using these same sounds in dozens of other songs you're hearing on the radio right take another hit off the oops i did it again album stronger it uses uh, a synth sound that i i feel like was just left over in in the studio from a backstreet boys recording session Here's Stronger. And here's the Backstreet Boys' Larger Than Life. Yeah, it's got that vocal formenty quality that makes me think of even like genuine's pony right which is not in the same genre world but maybe is like in that this thing that the swedes are compiling all sorts of different pop references like maybe that's one of the the connections It's a suite of sounds that would dominate turn of the millennium pop. But it's also worth listening to 
stronger for another reason too, which is that we also start to get another theme that will recur in the oeuvre of, of Britney Spears. We've got some meta narrative happening here. Yes. Right? If Oops, I Did It Again is kind of like saying like, oops, I made another hit song. Stronger is literally referencing Baby One More Time in the last line of the chorus. Right. My loneliness ain't killing me no more is a response to my loneliness is killing me from Baby One More Time. And I feel like it's introducing this theme of empowerment, which will continue to run through her catalog. Right. What's so fascinating about these first two albums that she releases, there's this mix of like the innocent ingenue and Mm -hmm. the incredibly worldly, knowing, confident singer. Mm -hmm. They're both in there. Yeah. And so if you want to listen to these two albums and ask the question, who is Britney Spears? I don't think you're going to get an answer. And I think that's exactly the point. Like, if you were wanting those 90s Whitney Houston-style ballads that she auditioned with, mm-hmm. those are on these records. You can find them. Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know, for example. Sure. Co-written by Shania Twain. No way. That's wild. Totally. And let us not forget a song that has not aged very well. Email My Heart. Oh, one of my favorites. Right, like in the great metadata loss of 2055, (laughs) the forensic media analysts are going to have to go back and listen to pop of different decades to see which communication technology is being referenced. Is it voicemail? Is it email? Is it DMs? SMS. SMS? (laughs) If you want references to 1950s doo-wop, you're in luck. You can listen to the classic Lucky. This is a story about a girl named Lucky. Early morning. Another great example of her taking on different personalities. Like, yeah, Lucky's probably her because she got Lucky as a star, but it's also, it's a character, Lucky. Right, these albums are like a funhouse mirror. You kind of see what you want to see. We hear Britney Spears establishing this, like, prismatic identity and the set of musical themes and it sounds like she's kind of poised to just hit the ground running but instead she does something even more surprising she completely flips the script which we'll get to in part two of listening to britney Switched on Pop is edited by Jolie Myers, engineered by Brandon McFarland, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, community management by Abby Barr, our executive producers are Nishat Kerwa and Hannah Rosen, we're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. Also, a special thanks to Ted Hart, Genevieve Kosky, Neil Janowitz, and Oliver Sava. You can find more episodes of Switched on Pop anywhere you listen to podcasts and our website, switchedonpop.com. 
tell us uh, what tracks for Britney's first two albums we should have talked more about. Are you an email my heart stan? For instance, we want to know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Switch on Pop, and we love hearing from you. I am nostalgic for the sounds on the first two Britney albums, but on her third album, things take a wild turn, and she creates a new sound that might be the most definitive part of Britney's career. Check that out next Tuesday, and until then, thanks thanks for for listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.